Welcome to Talking Heads. Today, Evan and I will be talking to Todd Abbott, SVP of Mitel. Evan, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk. How you doing? I am living the dream, Dave. Living the dream. Well, you're always living the dream, and and if I can follow the uh, the clues from your from your tweets, I think you're back in Boston. Is that right? I am. After ten beautiful days in California, despite the uh, horrific wildfires down in San Diego at Exponential Medicine and a conference just outside of the Bay Area, so I am back in dismal, dreary, cold Boston. So so wait a minute. You were you were at one conference, Exponential Medicine, for two weeks, or was it, were you at something else? Back-to-back conferences in the health technology world. I'm sort of immersing myself in the in the world of digital health and health technology with a view towards um, maybe saving my life one day. No, just just interested in this new intersection of healthcare and tech and IoT and cloud and 5G and a couple of great events. Well, that sounds interesting. Where, where were the conferences at? Were they were were you impacted by the fires? Were these were these were these somewhere else? Well, in Asilomar, California, which is right on the coast, a couple hours south of San Francisco, and uh, yeah, the air quality was starting to be impacted and uh, feel terribly for the for the folks there affected. And uh, a week in Del Coronado in sunny San Diego, just a fabulous destination. If anyone make some plans it's uh, well worth the trip to uh to coronado in in san diego beautiful beautiful spot we've been traveling so much we weren't able to get these podcasts out but uh uh i spent one week on the on the left coast and one speak one week on the uh on the right coast uh left coast was um was the open talk uh are you familiar with with uh, talk desk i've i've followed their journey and they've they're making some really big moves what was the takeaway they are a unicorn i mean i, I don't know how that happened they're, they're a unicorn they're just uh, six years old but in their most recent uh fundraising they got um uh at least according to TechCrunch, a valuation of over a billion dollars they are fully uh you know contact center company uh interesting little bit of a drama going on there they they built themselves on twilio and that's a big part of their value proposition with the super network and reliability and the API framework. But now that Twilio has launched um, their own contact center, Flex, they're like, you know, on one side, really positive about how great their services are and their, their infrastructure. And then on the other side, they're kind of like, we're independent of Twilio and we don't have to use them. And we're looking at other options as well. So it was kind of a little bit of a, you get a little dizzy listening to their value prop, but an amazing company and a lot of energy, very strong customer focus which is uh, pretty exciting, and it's so exciting to have a uh, bona fide uh, unicorn in our in our uh, in industry. Yeah, and I'll look forward to your research to help decode that. So, what about the East Coast? Where were you? It's Hollywood, which to me is Fort Lauderdale, and but everybody kept on calling it Miami, which is kind of strange to me. But I guess if you, whatever airport you fly into is where it is. Uh, that was the Cisco Broadsoft. That was the first uh, the first um, Broadsoft connection since they've been acquired. Actually, they were acquired at the last Broadsoft Connections a year ago in, in Phoenix. And there was a lot of um, people waiting to hear how Cisco was going to make 
make Broadsoft better and make it worse, you know, with inevitable things that happen with acquisition? Well, it's good to see an acquisition go well. I've been through horrible ones myself, which is never fun, but uh, this looks like uh, it's going in the right direction. I thought it was actually pretty good. I thought, uh, I actually think that the Cisco value prop with Broadsoft and WebEx is pretty strong. What they're doing is they're, they're using the Broadsoft service provider network to create a, a, as they described it, a voice-first global uh, UCAS offer uh, based on the Cisco BroadCloud solution. And then uh, they're combining that uh, with, with WebEx, which includes both the meeting services and WebEx teams to create a pretty powerful uh, solution. And so I was thinking about it. There's not many uh, of these UCAS type of solutions in the industry right now that really build themselves as voice first. And I think, uh, I think that's a pretty unique characteristic. And then of course, WebEx has uh, always been conferencing first. So nice, nice uh, combination. Uh, we don't know how the Cisco Broadsoft thing is gonna play out. They, they, they just kind of announced what the vision is, what the plan is, and now they've got to get everybody in line to see if, a pull, see if they can pull this off. But I do like the way, that, the way they describe it. I do like the way it sounds. So, with that, why don't we get to uh, our guest today? Looking forward to catching up with Todd. Fabulous. Todd Abbott, he's the EVP of Global Sales and Services at Mitel with us. How you doing, Todd? I'm great. Good to see you guys. It's, it's great to have you here with us because you are a legend. I mean, you, I go through all the companies that I cover and follow, and like you've been at every one of them, at Cisco, Avaya, uh, Sonus, uh, there's, there's more. I mean, I, I, of course, currently Mitel. Uh, well, you get to have uh, that many stops in a career when you're as old as I am. <laughs> well, let, let's, kind of, let's, start, let's start with the most recent. Let's start with Mitel here. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I thought was interesting at the recent Mitel Next event was you shared that the channel really hasn't changed at all in 30 years. I thought that was kind of strange. Did I misunderstand you? Um, yeah, well, I think the context is always important. Um, and what I really meant, meant by that was that. No, no, uh, I, I was, I was setting you up, Todd. Of course, the okay. channel's changed in 30 years. I think that was the whole point of your presentation. So yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't be so nice. Um, well, I mean, my message to the channel partners was that this, this industry, um, uh, is about to go through some, some really fundamental change. I mean, uh, as I've, if there's one thing I've learned in my career is that technology and the channels that, uh, that, that fulfill that technology, um, they consolidate over time. Um, and uh, in, the, in, the, in the voice world, this technology has been the slowest to consolidate. Right? You go back to history, whether it's mainframes, uh, PCs, disk drives, I mean, they all consolidate around two or three. But if you look at the PBX world, there's still a lot of PBX companies. I mean, the category of other uh, is like 20, 25% of the market. And there's so many players in that. Um, and, and, uh, but, but that's fundamentally changing. I mean, I think the reason it hasn't is because voice is just something that um, IT execs don't want to change if they don't have to. Uh, and as a result, a lot of PBX companies have been able to hang on for a long time. And frankly, a lot of channel partners have been ha- able to hang on a long time per- by providing support for those PBXs. But that's about to fundamentally change. So, Todd, what's, what's, uh, what's Evan here? And good to hear you again. And um, you, you're, you're the most brilliant guy I know in the channel. You, you guys actually worked together, didn't you? Evan, Evan and Todd, you guys worked together. We did. We did. Yeah, we worked together at Sonus. 
working with Todd and I was selling to Todd at, at, at Avaya. So it's one of those uh, small world kind of things. But Todd, I mean, we've been talking about channel shift and channel change and you've been on top of that game for years, but wh why now? Like where, what's the inflection point now? Um, because I think the, the demand for uh, true collaboration in the enterprise is such that as these enterprise customers look at these aging assets, that uh, if they, uh, as they look at, at to see, do I stay with my current vendor or do I look elsewhere? Um, they quickly identify that a lot of their legacy uh, installed PBX companies just don't have a, a really comprehensive collaboration platform. They're voice platforms. Um, and in order for companies to differentiate and really address productivity and workflow and call flow, it has to be more than just voice. And the vast majority of PBX companies have not made those investments. I mean, I'll give you the, the best case in point for us is, you know, we bought Toshiba last year, which was a $16 million U.S. business. We bought it for 40 cents on the dollar in inventory. They were going to shut it down. In fact, they had made an announcement to their customers after trying to sell it. They were just going to close it. We said, no, wait a minute. Um, we can take those customers and we can migrate them. Um, but that's a classic example. I mean, how many Japanese companies close businesses uh, and lose face to their customers? That's where a lot of these PBX companies are. And the channel is just a little bit behind that because as the PBX companies consolidate, uh, it's going to disrupt the channel. But then on top of that, the channel partners have the big challenge of managing a fundamental change in business from a PBX CapEx world to a MRR cloud world. And that's a real clash of business models that frankly, a lot of them are going to really struggle with. So it, when, when people go to the cloud, you know, the, the, the traditional value add of the, of the VAR, the value added reseller, uh, is, is changed, right? And so let me just ask you directly, th th does the VAR still have a role to play? I mean, if you're not, if you're not managing inventory, you're not managing trucks with ladders on top, what, what, what is there a role for the VAR in a, channel, in a cloud world? Um, well, I think there's going to be, but I, I think that they have a very disruptive um, path uh, to go through to get there because the vast majority of partners, 50% of their revenue comes from services revenue, doing upgrades to PBXs and ads moves and changes uh, over the course of a year. Uh, they've got big workforces, people that have been with them for a long time, and it drives a lot of their profitability. But in a cloud world, the, the cloud provider does uh, the ads moves and changes. Uh, so for partners uh, to be able to make that transition, which is now a commission model against a, a cloud uh, service that we as a manufacturer or provider would provide, they have to add on top of that. Uh, but they're going to have to fundamentally change their, their workforce and their skill sets to one of how do I leverage that cloud infrastructure to, to, to move more into the workflow call flow or bring call flow into the workflow with things like IoT and advanced collaboration. So if they're not able to bring that consultative level on top of it uh, and, and they're, all their skill sets are as moves and changes, it's going to be a rocky road. Uh, but they're going to have to change. Um, or fundamentally, they're going to get uh, consolidated by stronger players in the industry. So when you talk about, about this change they go through, is the, is the end of the rainbow, they go through change, they, do, they take your advice, they become IoT stars, and they figure out other, other revenue sources uh, and services offering. Um, are there going to be more VARs or less VARs, say, in 10 years? A lot less. 
I mean, I think the strong gets stronger in disruption. We've seen that time and time again in, in technology. I don't think that's going to be unique in this in this segment. Um, uh, we're already seen it uh, um, uh, in some of the larger VARs. Look at Converge One and how many how many VARs they've converged over the last uh, last five plus years. Uh, um, I think the strong will buy some of the weaker players. Um, they, they should keep on renaming their company. For, yeah. for, you know, when they converge the first one and converge one, and then when they do another, converge two. And just you know, <laughs> I don't know what to do right now. Yeah. No. So, I, so I think there's going to be, um, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of companies, are going to be disrupted. Um, it, it, there'll be a lot less VARs five to ten years from now. No doubt about it. Isn't your job to be the VAR cheerleader? Um, yeah, but at the same time, this is this is my challenge, and this is was my message to the VARs is, uh, I am being disrupted as a legacy PBX company, the same as they are. Evan, did you did you just hear Todd describe Mitel as a legacy PBX company? No, I, I we're editing that part of the audio out of the uh, podcast. <laughs> well, I want to encourage them and help them through that transition. Um, I, I'm, I'm not able uh, to, to, to support 2,500 partners with, a, with, with support from a capital structure standpoint. Um, at the end of the day, they have to change their business. They have to look deep inside to their skill sets and where they are in, uh, in their company history and, um, and the the, the willingness and financial capability to make that transition, they have to make that transition. But, but I, I would like to understand the other, the other legacy 800 pound gorillas you're, you're playing with and against. I mean, how are they reacting in your opinion to this shifting landscape, Cisco, your former alma mater, uh, via another uh, alma mater. So what, what, you know, are they reacting in the, in ways that's uh, helpful or hurtful to, to you? Uh, I think helpful to us. Um, I think you know, both of those guys are a little bit different beasts. Um, uh, I, I look at uh, I look at the Cisco's and Microsoft's kind of in the same light. Um, they have great slideware, great architectures, uh, but they change every four to five years. Uh, now we're going through this you know new leadership change in their collaboration platform. Um, uh, uh, with now, where, do, where does Broadsoft fit in the overall Spark architecture? Um, the, the reality is, is that collaboration in Cisco is a, is a minority business. It's never going to be the flagship business. Uh, and so um, their ability to execute with speed I, I, or translate great slidewares uh, into cap from capability into delivery, um, they just don't have the track record to have done that. And uh, there's nothing about a fundamental uh, total change of their their collaboration leadership team which is going on right now um, there's nothing fundamentally that makes me believe that um, they're going to come out the back end of that any different than they did when they made the spark transition five years ago uh, but we'll we'll assume that they will but i i have serious doubts uh, if we stay true to who we are this is our core business then we should be able to out execute them uh just fine on the avaya side uh, well, so on the private side, I mean, that's really about enabling us to execute even faster, right? Is to leverage the cash flow from on-site, our PBX business. We generate $200 million a year in cash. Um, as a public company with EBITDA investors, it's hard to double down on, on less profitable business. That's why you want private. So as a private, we can do that. Happens, it's rare a legacy player makes the transition. I'm convinced we're going to be one of those that's going to. I mean, we already are from a transition standpoint. Uh, but I think this is the challenge that, that Avaya has, is uh, they should have made this transition to cloud as a private company 
So now having come out as a public and try to manage that, that, that business mix, revenue mix change as a public, uh, having been there, all right, I'm, I'm going to ask you to talk about cloud here for a minute because, because you know, almost all the legacy companies have adapted to cloud, at least to the private cloud part of the equation, and the public cloud is a different piece. But where where do you think the uh, where do you think the larger enterprises are going to go? Are, are they are they going to go public cloud? Because right now, I mean, we're we're hearing more you know larger deals going to public cloud. But it seems like the larger and more complex Im implementations today are still private. Do you, do you think that's going to stay that way? Yeah, I do. Um, I think there's a segment of the large enterprises uh, that uh, will go uh, public cloud. I mean, I think a good example of that is retail. Um, we have lots of sites, not a really comprehensive or complex collaboration set of requirements. Um, it's really voice, voice collaboration. Uh, and so I think there's a big segment of large enterprise with large seats that, that will absolutely go public cloud. Uh, but I think the vast majority and a lot of the market research uh, suggests that uh, the, the, the majority of large enterprises will go uh, either, either uh, straight private cloud single instance or multi-instance where they can control their instance. And when they, when they get upgrades and when they add features, they want the control of their, uh, of their infrastructure. Uh, we see that uh, very much today, uh, and we think that's going to continue for a good period of time. So, Todd, speaking of the of which, uh, you you were always an uh, advocate of alternative channels, service providers, and managed service providers, and hosters, and you had quite a, an interesting portfolio of customer channels at Cisco. What what do you view of those alternative channels and and enabling them to be successful? It's a different route to market, maybe a little harder more creativity required? Is that something you're chasing? Uh, yeah, I mean, so we, we've been making quite a bit of investments over the last year on the agent channel here in the US. Um, it's a unique characteristic of the US market, doesn't necessarily exist internationally, um, but the, the, the agent channels, which have come up through the, uh, the telco uh, agent uh, channel uh, ecosystem, if you will, having spent many years selling circuits, uh, have moved into the as a service business model. Uh, and so they are the fastest growing component uh, of, uh, of leads and business from a, from a UCAS standpoint. Um, and so we've invested quite a bit, uh, both from a marketing dollar standpoint. Uh, there's a, this market requires a tremendous amount of investment in spiffs and marketing programs to, uh, as well as coverage to develop relationships. At the end of the day, an agent channel is, while it's got a totally different business model, there's one thing that's, that's common with both. Both of them have relationships where they want to uh, maintain and retain and develop and expand the credibility and relevance they have with their customers. Um, and so uh, they represent a tremendous opportunity to identify which customers are really looking to move to cloud. I mean, 75% of our, our cloud business comes from non-MyTel installed accounts. And so these agents uh, represent a coverage model that's different than my VARs. Uh, most VARs are not, are not hunters. There are some, clearly, but the most, most are not out there hunting, knocking on doors. These agents represent a new set of relationships and frankly, a, a much different hunting mentality um, than what I've seen in the legacy VAR channel. So, so we'll leverage the VARs because that's where all of our install bases was sourced, but the agents represent a tremendous growth opportunity and frankly, a disruptive force into the VAR channels 
because they don't have the business model that they have to, uh, to protect that's holding them back. They're much hungrier. When we go through other transitions from, from rotary to touchstone, from, from digital to IP or analog to digital, whatever, there's always been a pretty big advantage to have an installed base. And now, is that installed base as much of an advantage in, in the prem to cloud opportunity? Or uh, when you talk about these agents and, and, and you talk about these agents hitting new accounts, uh, do, you, do you see most of your growth coming from you know, non-MyTel accounts, basically? Uh, so yeah, most of our growth is absolutely coming from, from non-MyTel installed accounts. Um, uh, and, but to get back to uh, the other aspect of your question, which is, is there a value of incumbency? Um, I would tell you it varies greatly depending upon the size of the account or the market segment. Uh, in the below 100 seat customers, incumbency doesn't buy you much. Uh, you have to really move with speed. Switch to them uh, is, is really a non-event. Um, as you move, I would say even in the 100 to 250, uh, it, will be, uh, it will be industry and, and very customer specific, but uh, we don't uh, believe incumbency below 250 is, um, is going to be worth a lot. Um, uh, below, above 250, above 500, we believe incumbency will have a significant impact. Uh, as long as we are actively engaging with them on where to take their, their architecture, their collaboration capability, um, uh, whether it be on-site, whether it be hybrid or move to cloud. This, this was my message to the, to the VARs. You have to get out. You have to be thinking and selling the future to these customers because if you don't, um, the competition will. Uh, so I believe in our experience to, to date says that uh, incumbency, certainly above 500, um, maybe above 250, but below 250, it's speed of execution. You've got to get there first. And frankly, whoever demos it and quotes it first, the win rate's way higher if you're first. And Todd, what do you, uh, what do you see vis-a-vis -vis Microsoft, uh, Google's ambitions, you know, Amazon's toe in the water with the channels? I mean, do you think that's... Uh... Just more noise for you, or do you see there in a meaningful way they're going to somehow engage with or interact with your, your customers? Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, the way the way we look at this is that um, Microsoft and Cisco is kind of duking it out at the top, right? Above two, above three thousand seats, five thousand seats. Um, we go into that segment, you know, frankly, where only where there is Cisco and Microsoft fatigue, right? There's a lot of customers that have tried to put uh, uh, Microsoft voice across the network and have failed miserably. And if that's the case, we, we, we can scoop, scoop in there and, uh, and, and win a deal. Uh, if there's a Microsoft bigot who's going down that path, I, I tell my team, run for the door. Uh, if there's a Cisco bigot, run for the door. Um, if they've been there now for seven, eight years and they realize what, how much Cisco charging them for maintenance and they're really frustrated, then step in and let's go win it. So, so we know what the characteristics are for us to win those deals. Uh, but frankly, our sweet spot is that 100 to 3,000. That's where we hit it out of the park. We've got the, the comprehensiveness of our, of our uh, collaboration capability and contact center. We know how to do that space really, really well. Um, I, don't, I don't frankly worry too much about Microsoft. I, don't, I, I mean, Cisco, I, I know they're going to go through massive uh, organizational change, which means they've got a strategy that they're going to figure out in the next 12 to 18 months. In the meantime, we're going to be executing like uh, with just a religiousness um, about, about speed of execution that, you know, we'll be fine. If we do what we need to do in the next 12 to 18 months, by the time, let's assume they figure out, figure it out. Um, we'll be so far ahead of them from an execution space that, that um, 
it'll be too late because speed is everything in this speed business. of execution that sounds like a true texan now um uh, <laughs> let, let, let's talk let, let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about uh, the sales process has that changed um or, or let me rephrase that tell us how it's changed uh below 250 in cloud uh it's an inside model i mean it is it is speed of execution. I am amazed at the sales cycle in this space. Um, two weeks, 30 days at most. Um, we just did a 650 seat deal. Uh, sales cycle was 18 days. Uh, what I'm finding is, is that customers, and this is, goes back to your incumbency question, right? We thought 18 months ago, uh, let's make sure the customers know we're in cloud and when they're ready, let's go. Um, uh, what I'm finding is, is that whether there's an exec change or something happens in the enterprise, something clicks and they literally say, we're going cloud. And if you come into that, that sales process and try to convince them that it's not really cheaper or it's not really right for you, you are automatically discounted because you're not the shiny object. You're the old school. And so the sales process is you've got to lead with cloud. You've got to be that shiny object and, uh, and be ready to quote demo with speed. Because if you quote and demo, uh, I mean, when we when we get to the demo, our win rate's off the charts. So, Todd, what about the 18-hole uh, golf luncheon? Gone. Gone. Uh, in 18 months I've been here, in 18 months I've been here, <coughs> I've had two rounds of golf. <laughs> I, I, I mean, um, it's a speed of execution game right now. For those 500 seats and above, you know, those are architectural uh, sale processes. Those take longer. Um, and you know, they want to see the whites of your eyes. Uh, and I, I, we respect that and we've got the coverage model and, um, and, and we will absolutely go engage, but below 250 and it's speed. And I, I've, I, I'm amazed. If it's all about speed, you should be doing mini golf. You can get, a, you can get a much quicker game than golf in. <laughs> well, but this is a transaction game, right? So, uh, it's, it's just, it's too time consuming to have to play even a mini round golf with every, every 200 seat deal. Cause there's too many of them out there. All right. Well, all right. Final, final, final question for you, Todd. Uh, uh, you, are, you, you, you're a salesman. You like to sell, but what about when you buy? I want, I want to hear what the next big personal purchase that you are planning. What is it going to be? Is it a gadget? Is it a trip? Is it, is it? Uh, what, what do you, what do you have on your wish list? What, what's the next big thing coming up? Next big thing for uh, for me and my wife uh, is a, uh, it's a safari with our kids. I just, we just married off our oldest one. Um, and before grandkids start to come into play, um, we want to take a really grand family trip, uh, to see, uh, to, down in, into Africa to see a safari. Uh, because once the, once the, once our kids start to, you know, develop their own families then it just becomes so hard. So, so we are slated for a safari trip in 2019. Oh, that, that's, that's so exciting. And, uh, I'll carry your bags if you need anyone to come along and, <laughs> there you go. Uh, by, by the way, I did. Dave Michaels is looking to get back in the reseller game, so maybe you know you can give some uh, spiffs or some incentives. Uh, there are a lot of coffee shops in Boulder that might uh, be great targets. Actually, I was all set to do it, but Todd just talked me out of it. <laughs> agent, be an agent. Be an agent. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap this up. Thank you very much, Todd. Hey, thank you guys. Good to see you and good to talk to you. Appreciate the time. You want some information, some kind of conversation.
conversation. Bye.